What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those help move construction forward. My name is Brett Gohan. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders Vista, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Pinella. What's happening, guys? It's Matt Pinella, also known as Matt Bangswood, framer and wannabe YouTuber based out of Central California. Today, we've got a good episode. Let's get it going. We're here today with Jeff Harvey, the man behind Harvey Homes and Interiors, award-winning contractor based out of Toronto. Today, we're going to be diving into some topics around identifying early talent, what it's like being a new dad and running a construction company, and some things he's doing to invest in the next generation. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Jeff Harvey, Harvey Homes and Interiors. Happy to be here. You sound thrilled. Absolutely, Matt. We got to do the clap, Matt. We forgot to do the clap. You're supposed to lead that. I, I clapped him in. Um, okay. Jeff, we've, we've been trying to stray away from the, the typical how'd you get into the industry story, but a lot of people see your success online and would like to know more about how you got to where you are today. So how did you find your way into the industry and what made you stay? So then, you know, let's, let's do the short answers, right? Seeing as uh, we'll stay away from that, but how did I get into it? You know, um, summer jobs for high school, young buck, looking to make a quick buck in a short time between, uh, between high school, summer breaks. So, um, you know, I, I, I consider myself to be a creative growing up and, uh, you know, I didn't love it at first. It was just a quick buck. I wanted to be a chef, actually. Did you really? So, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I and you cook pretty good. I love to cook, man. And frankly, I'm, I'm glad I uh, I went in this direction and kept it as a hobby. That's that's a tough grind. That's a tough grind. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, so you know, when I was wanting to be a chef, I, I was enrolled in uh, college, culinary arts and stuff like that. And I lasted a week before I dropped out. Oh, wow. Um, Why is yeah. that? Uh, to be honest, my first, my first day in college, it was like a night class and it was a math class, like one of those classes you just had to take. Yeah. And uh, I fell asleep and I, I woke up and I was like, that's, that's my sign. Like day one, like yeah. totally disengaged. I'm like, Get out I'm while not, you can. yeah, my parents were paying. So I brought it up to them and they were cool. Uh, supportive as long as I paid like the administration fees or like you get us, you get us your money back. You pay for the admin fees and you're out. But the deal was like, you know, what's the plan? What's the plan, Jeff? So my plan at the time was to work my way through the restaurant industry uh, working my way up to kind of, you know, my plan, have a restaurant, travel the world, whatever. But, you know, step one was I'm going to be a bartender. We're going to, we're, we're going to work behind the bar. Okay. And, and my parents didn't love that idea. So they offered an ultimatum. If I'm going to be a bartender, I'm going to pay rent to live at home. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was <That's> squeezed. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even legal drinking age at the time. So I was like, no, I don't want to do that. So, yeah. But, you know, again, like I considered myself to be a clever kid. So I was like, what do I have to do not to pay rent and to follow my dream of becoming this bartender? And the solution was get a job back with Scott, the guy who I worked construction with in my summers. And in my parents' eyes, that was a, an acceptable career path, temporary solution to stay living at home for free. So I, I did both. I double dipped. It worked out though. 
it worked so out. That that was what kind of led you to stay. Then you you got yeah. back into it, and that was just game over. This yeah, I, Matt. I mean, I was I joined a framing crew at eighteen full time, and it, it honestly took me six months to kind of see inside the restaurant industry and what I didn't like about it. Um, and I got a deeper look into construction on a, on a good framing crew and unsuspectedly I fell in love with it man so I, I ditched the uh the restaurant dream and I started framing full-time and from there on it was just you know nine years working for the same guy and then um moved abroad and came back moved abroad for a year came back started Harvey Holmes 10 years ago you've been in business 10 years yeah man how old are you and I'm 35. Dang, you're killing it. Check it out. I got a. I bought myself a pinky ring this year. A little gold pinky ring that says Harvey Holmes. That thing's I rad. love it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. You know, I originally I was like, I'm gonna buy myself a watch before I knew like what nice watch was really <laughs> worth. And I was like, I'll start yeah. with a ring. We'll get the I'll watch in 20. <laughs> maybe at 20 20 years you'll get the rolex yeah man exactly exactly they get get the name on the lift and then you're gonna now you're getting a pinky ring i love it man you know i haven't told anybody about this pinky ring my guys the the guys i work with they know about it uh but uh yeah i don't i don't talk about on socials and stuff but i wanted to treat myself 10 years man like that's that's monumental and i i needed to commemorate something and you know, you'll kill a truck in the next 10 years or... Exactly. That won't know. be around. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's legacy on your hand, man. Though. That's it, man. You know, engraved. It's got the logo on the front and 10 years in the back. So, yeah. You you were... you were. Uh, I know this is a little off topic, but you were big into mountain biking, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Action sports. What, I like it all. Was, was any part of that to kind of fund your your uh mountain biking experience and any of that because I, I know you yeah i've yeah, seen okay. some of your stuff you're pretty good right jeff <laughs> yeah so like what getting into construction at 18 yeah yeah so in high school that was the you know i had two months off i had two months to make as much money as i i, I could because mountain biking is expensive right so I yeah it is outrageous i could maintain my my hobby um after high school i moved to to whistler british columbia so oh heck nice. yeah that is the place to be if you want to ride yeah, it is. i did a half a year there and then i moved home literally i was gonna go for four months and then i was like i'm gonna extend it and my parents were like well you go to college on september 7th and i was like yeah i'll be home next month <laughs> and i like literally came home three days in advance went to college fell asleep in that first course and i was like no not doing it so, uh, but, you know, fast forward to finding that, you know, that first six months working as a, in a framing crew, uh, Matt, you can appreciate this. So my old boss was a good guy, good crew, and we're working on high end stuff. So like a lot of radius ceilings, domes, arches. Okay. And, uh, the first thing I, that I fell in love with to do with that was like, I learned how to build a half pipe. like like a good quality quarter pipe well constructed and um i actually had a side hustle building mini ramps and and quarter pipes listed them on uh, craigslist and i'd sell them dude nobody knows how to do it but once you know how it i mean it's the same as cutting a dang arch except for you make the thing a little bit structural sound and and you, you ride it i always had half pipes growing up so i knew how to do 
Kind of, not mathematically, but I knew how to cut an arch when I was very young because I would do the same thing. I'd make myself little quarter pipes and stuff, and it was rad. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, not being wood on a bike. Oh, not on a bike. I rode skateboards. (laughs) I know I can't picture you on a bike. Yep, I was a little California hood rat. Cool, man. Honestly, (laughs) I got hurt so much riding things with wheels that I just stopped. I had a couple, <laughs> I had a couple arms broken and then I did, I did my hip in pretty good when I was 13. Now is it, I told my, I won't get on anything anymore. Do you still ride? Yeah, I still, uh, I do still ride. Yeah. I'm mountain bike now. Um, I, I I've lowered the consequences, you know, I kind of have like my, my black book trick list that, you know, just gets better with age and style. I'm not pushing back flips or spins or nothing like that anymore. I'm not trying to progress and build that trick list, but you said uh, anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to maintain, <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose it, but you know, like, I mean, I still snowboard. I still mountain bike. Um, a few years ago, I bought my, I bought a new BMX bike, although I don't really get out on it much. I skateboard, but I don't, no rails, nothing anymore. Like just, I, I, I call it sidewalk surfing now, Matt. That's a good thing. Go. I'm cool with that as yeah. well. I'll push myself around, but I don't know. I, I need to go to work on Monday. So that's exactly. what I like to remind myself. Yeah. I've got, I've got a friend up in, in BC. His name's Andrew. He goes by trail slayer on Instagram. And the dude does like these 40 foot doubles. And I'm like, you go to work the next day. If you were to <laughs> clip that landing you wouldn't go to work for six months. Like I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to risk it. Out. That's scary stuff, man. Now, you know, like action sports, you can still participate, but you just, you gotta be smart about it. Like we do a lot of water skiing and wake surfing in the summer. You know what I actually started guys? I, I started it's called lake surfing. So it's surfing, lake surfing, but in yeah. the great lakes. Yeah. 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 What? So, Wait, is that behind a boat? No, no, it's like a short break, a point break, but it's lake. mainly in a lake, but it's, it's by wind swells. So okay. rather than like a current, uh, it's a bit more hectic, less clean than what you guys see in California. Um, but the funny part is like, you know, we're up here in Canada and uh, the winds pick up on the Great Lakes, like fall, winter, spring. So like I was out last week and it was like, you know, zero degrees. I got the full wetsuit with the hood and the mitts and the booties zero degree I bet, yeah yeah my gosh that's pretty gnarly <laughs> yeah. out. i don't i don't know if i could do the zero degrees part i think 50 is freezing but to each their own it's a dad sport jeff you had a, a major life event this year um that we obviously want to congratulate you on uh having a newborn here um talk to us a little bit about what it's like being a dad running a construction company Thank you, Breck. Yeah, it's uh, it's a trip. I mean, Matt knows. Um, I had kids when I was like 12, though. So, I mean, it's a little different. <laughs> I was going to say, like, aren't you only 13? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no, I'm new to the game. Uh, happy to be here as well. Uh, this past October, Em and I gave birth to our little baby boy, Bruce. And, um, you know, uh, it's it's been going good. I mean uh december was crazy busy at work so you know there was those challenges wanting to be more at home more available at home which was you know i was unable to 
but we had great uh, holidays after, uh, you know, kind of around Christmas and New Year's where I just took 16 days off to go home and be daddy yeah. and, and do that. Um, you know, we're, we're changing the routine a little bit where I'll just get up earlier, you know, let, let my wife sleep in, uh, do a little daddy baby time. I smoke some emails in there nice and early, get, get, get awake before everybody else, which is kind of nice. It's been a nice adjustment. You know, when you can send an email to somebody, when you know you're up before them, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I know that uh, <laughs> that's a good one. But, uh, you know, like evenings are, are uh, more family oriented, which, you know, in the last couple of years, I've been trying to pull myself into the office a bit more. And I think this is a big, big struggle for a lot of owner operators in the trades uh, to balance that kind of on-site uh, life responsibilities. And then, you know, I call it on-site working in the business and then mm -hmm. in the office working on the business. Yeah. So it's been a real motivation of mine for the last, I guess, three years to build on the business. And so now that I'm here with the baby, um, you know, I'm glad I kind of started this a couple of years ago and got used to it. Because yeah. I know we, carry, we carry around guilt when we're working in the office and we're not on the site, you know, mm -hmm. even though we're doing stuff that is, arguably more important than what's going on the site yeah not, not yeah, necessarily I, the building but the building the business i was gonna yeah. i was gonna ask you do you think uh which could entirely obviously be a very good thing but you think with the newborn uh this year it's been a good forcing function for you to kind of transition to uh you know from on-site to actually on the business has that you know are you putting yeah. more trust in the employees and delegating what, what's that been like so far yeah. Well, like I said, you know, I've been, I've been trying to do that for the last few years. So it's been great. Uh, the crew, it's like, I have, you know, I'd say the most amazing crew that I know of. And I follow a lot of people on Instagram and I'm willing to vouch for that one as well. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, you know, I don't even like the word delegate cause it, it insinuates that I'm telling them what to do. Like these guys mm -hmm. just, you know, run the show as the, as, as if it's their own. Um, you know, my job is like making sure they've always got work, uh, you know, as issues come up, shelter them from the drama and the changes and the stresses that come around with all the customers. But um, I guess to answer your question, Breck, um, I actually find it more difficult working at home with the baby. It's a bit of a distraction. Um Yeah, it's kind of, it's funny trying to, trying to, I work out of a home office. So it's, it's really trying to distinguish the office from home, right? Yeah. Because now home has become, it's taken on a whole new meaning. Like, you know, yeah. home, family, it's, it's totally different. It's than everything it was now. Last year. It's way yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the fact that you're willing to say that you, you do want to be home because a lot of people glorify six to seven days a week working nonstop. And to be honest, I've never found the joy in that. People want to be on site 12, 14 hours. And it's like, I, I don't. I enjoy being home with family. I, I want to be able to see my kids during the day. And I think that's something that we need to do as an industry is kind of make it, I don't know, not necessarily a bad thing to work weekends every single week, but spend time with family. Cause a lot of people have issues with that work slash home life balance. Yeah. Not even, not just our industry. It's every industry, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so with, with that being said, um, you've built, 
as we've talked about, one heck of a company. Uh, over the years, we've watched you turn JJ into the prodigy he is today. Um, how's that been? How do you feel about training employees from nothing to something or hiring with experience? Proud, man. I honestly, it's one of my proudest things in business is uh, taking an employee, a young mind, a young individual uh, who's showing interest in our industry and, and shaping, molding, helping them, you know, find their groove within their career path. That's like, that's one of my proudest things. Um, you know, I, I think in our industry construction, you know, whether you're whatever your, your trade is, plumber, builder, uh, framer, we, I think the trend is, you know, you tend to be really um, proud of the projects you do. Uh, I'm, you know, we do some amazing projects, but compared to like, you know, developing people within the company and finding their confidence and seeing them find their voice and, and, and grow their skill set uh, is, is 10 times better than the most luxurious project we've done. It's, it's, sure. it's my favorite part. It's honestly my favorite part, just watching people grow and be their best selves, right? Uh, that's awesome. You, you had I, JJ as soon as he got started in the industry, right? Uh, I got JJ like a year or two after he started. Okay. So uh, JJ started with like a college course, I think a year or two years, like this kind of pre-construction course. And, um, and uh, he graduated, got a job with, I guess, a contractor, his first job. And he spent, you know, a year, year and a half just on the other end of a chipping gun pulling tiles. And he, you know, he, you'll, you'll have to ask him yourself, maybe on this podcast, but, you know, he was completely discouraged and, and he, he asked himself, like, what did I do to end up here? And yeah. any questions, is this where I want to be? And this is where I want to go. And he, he was almost turned completely off of the entire construction industry. And, um, so we had talked, we had like low key known each other for maybe a year. We were dating within the same family. So okay. we dated cousins. So we'd see each other like at a, you know, family gathering once or twice a year. And then the cousin he would date would ask my cousin that I was dating, you know, maybe JJ could get a job. I was like, big no. Frankly, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't there. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I wasn't ready to like take on more employees i think at the time we were a three-person crew and a fourth was like no i'm not there not ready mm-hmm. and and this kid no way so <laughs> <laughs> no that's jokes that's jokes um but it, it did come to a point where i was ready for a fourth person and um i guess the persistence there just you know from him through the people we were dating at the time uh, you know, kind of when I thought of extending my crew, it's like, all right, let's give James Haslam a try. And, uh, so yeah, he came in with a year, year and a half of solid demo under his belt. Just um, nonstop demo. Nonstop. He could tear some stuff apart. I'm sure. Oh, can he ever, man? Yeah. Wow. So, you know, he, I'm super proud of him. Uh, he was my first, uh, apprentice to uh, be enrolled under my name as part of the apprenticeship program here in Canada. And uh, the first graduate, you know, Red Seal co- uh, Carpenter, 
that I put through. So that's what yeah, I was about to fun. ask you. You guys have the whole red seal program as well, right? It's not just, I don't know here. We don't really have anything like that except for like our unions, but um, you can get an apprenticeship. And by the time you're done, nobody knows whether or not you really had an apprenticeship or not. You guys have the whole red seal thing. They test for it and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, here's something you may not have known is, is carpentry is a non non compulsory. So it's not mandatory to have. Okay. Uh, unlike here, you know, plumbers, electricians, HVAC, they have to be to run a business and pull a permit. They have to be. Okay. So you can, you can go through as an HVAC, never get licensed, but you'll never have your own business. Oh, wow. So anybody that is a licensed contractor has a red seal for whatever trade they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In carpentry, uh, not necessary. So the competition is high, even though we don't need it. But for me, and I think the companies that that carry it, it's, it's a great hiring tool, right? We draw some of the most amazing people because they, they, that's a draw. They want it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shows it a little bit dedicated. Is there a, for James, is, is there a big difference in, in pay regarding just hiring employees if they have a red seal or not? No, because it's non-compulsory, right? So, yeah. I mean, and if you don't have it, you can be better than a guy with a red seal. For sure. Right? Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's where you were kind of, who taught you, right? You could be taught by the best guy who was never licensed, but it doesn't mean like you're a hack. I mean, you could be a way better than red seal. I know a lot of guys with red seals that, that just are no good, but they were good at school and good at tests and right. Trip out. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered about that. Uh, I've known that red seal is a thing, but I don't know. It just seems like it was kind of like an industry standard. The people that were good had a red seal. So it's kind of cool to hear that clarified. Yeah. So I, I use it in my pitches all the time with customers and it's not, not that, you know, it all, a lot of times it comes down to price, but it does help in the way that, you know, it shows, I guess, my dedication uh, the crew's dedication towards our industry. Like we take it serious. We put in the time, we hang a diploma on the wall. Yeah. You're, you're mm-hmm. invested. We're invested. Yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah. Speaking of crew, Jeff, I I've followed you for probably a couple of years now. Um, that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Harvey homes and interiors is, is the crew for sure. It's like the first nice. thing. Right. Um, but also like on the other side, like the, industry is notoriously known for just terrible employee turnover. Like they just run through people. And I want to understand, and probably for a lot of people listening to this is how you've been able to grow your crew, treat them well, but even earlier in that, like identifying that early talent, because it's an art to identify early talent and to grow them and develop them and also retrain, retain them in your crew. So it's like, how do you even go about identifying that early talent? Because most people in the industry, you know, they're, that's the biggest complaint is finding that next generation talent. They don't want to work. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. But at some point you do as the company owner have to take some responsibility for how you're operating your business to retain those people. So I really want to ask you like from the get go, how do you go about that? Yeah, so I don't disagree. I think, you know, there's a lot of onus on the the management, the owners, whatever, to retain. Uh, that is one of my proudest things as well, aside from developing amazing people, is is our low turnover employer rate. It's it's quite impressive, I think. And, and I attribute 
that to the amount of work that we can take on um, when we're really busy. It's because we're, you know, we're not relying on subcontractors or people who we don't know if they're, if they got our back or not, like this crew, they've all got each other's back. They've all got my back. When I tell a customer we can do something, I know it's going to get done and I don't have that worry. So to, to recognize, you know, in a young up and comer, if they're going to be that kind of crew member that will, that will join this team and have the teams back. It's a tough one. Um, You know, I think I've got a bit of a vetting process. You know, I use Instagram uh, to hire. I'll advertise like my simplest one is I'll, I'll put something out on Instagram, some sort of hiring campaign, advertise that we're expanding and I'll get a load of DMs. You know, let's say on average, if I were to say I was hiring two days in a row, I might get 20 to 30 inquiries mm-hmm. in the Holy DM. And, yeah. And, and Matt, that's probably one of my most common feedback is, man, I wish I worked for a crew like you man, I wish I worked for a guy like you, man, can I get a job with you? Like that's, you know, you get those DMs every night. That's one of my, that and what happened to JJ Hazzy are the two uh-huh. most common. <laughs> I believe um, that one completely. I think yeah. that was, that was one of the most devastating things. Yeah, I know. Um, but, you know, let's just say, you know, we get 25 inquiries, um, are, are the they actually thing. are they actually local inquiries like hireable people uh the majority of them are i'd say like 80 90 percent we do get a lot of uh i get a lot of like overseas you know hey i'd love okay. to come you know to canada would you sponsor me mm-hmm. stuff uh i have not done that uh but we'll, we'll benchmark that note because we're we're doing something kind of cool um currently and in february we've got someone coming in from france so that's that's kind of no way yeah yeah uh but to finish my thought you know i'll I'll reply to all those dms very similar call me phone number Mm -hmm. and out of those 25 maybe 20 of them are are local you know how many are going to call 50 percent 50 percent i'll get 10 and Mm -hmm. off a phone call I mean, you know, you can generally pick up the phone and you can kind of talk to somebody and you can hear maybe their level of confidence. And even if they don't know construction, you can feel their, you know, kind of hear their inner confidence. Um, So out of most of those 10, maybe, maybe there'll be a few where I can, I can just say like, well, you know, you're not going to be a good fit for this, or or maybe I won't say to them, but I'll say it to myself. Um, So let's say seven of those 10, I'll, I'll say, the same thing without burning a bridge, pick a day, come to site and work with us for a day as a tryout. Very similar to a sport. So if it's a Saturday so that you're not rocking the boat with your current employer, that's great. Um, you know, don't burn a bridge. Don't lie. Don't tell them if you got to say a doctor's appointment or something, that's fine. I understand that's reasonable, but uh, you know, do not burn a bridge. And, and out, of like those, work out. out of those seven, we'll get like two or three who are like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm down. They actually want to try it. And they do try it. And, and then, and then the process is, is interesting guys. Cause you know, we'll have two or three guys come to site over the span of two weeks, not all at once separately. Mm-hmm. And they'll work with us for a day. And you know, Matt, you've seen a new guy on site and 
you got your 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 own uh, first impression. But because we're such a tight knit crew, we talk about that individual once they've left. And, you know, we drive home, we talk to each other every day. Like on the drives mm-hmm. home, sometimes business, sometimes you're shooting the shit. We'll yeah. talk about that individual and we'll com- compare, and we'll kind of almost make a collective. You know, it's decision. a group effort like, at that point. It's not just you making the hiring yeah. and the firing. I'm listening to the feedback from James, from Ty, from Molly, from Caleb, from, you know, from Jake. What do you think? What do you think? I mean, that's ultimately and- what it comes down to is, is what your crew thinks. Cause if, if they know that they're not going to be a good fit, you're wasting your own time at that point. Yeah. I like that. Exactly. Yeah. So our, our latest hire, uh, Darun, um, you know, it was a bit different. He was just very persistent coming through Instagram, but he would come at me like, monthly weekly daily and i'd say the same thing we're not looking for anybody at the time check back with me next month and the guy i don't know if he said a reminder on his phone but like (laughs) he was on top of it um and uh i think at one point i was like we're going to be getting busy check back with me every thursday and he did and um so we hired him he was green but he just graduated from the college that i uh, now teach at and i said George Brown. I sit, I sit on the board of directors there for the last couple of years. So, you know, he graduated from that course that, you know, I'm, I'm endorsing that school. And I was like, all right, we're going to try this guy. And I didn't really bring it to the team as I normally would have in a hiring campaign, but we brought him on. He tried out, we talked about it. Everyone's like, yeah, he's green. He's green. But it's like, yeah, I know he's green, but you were green too. Yeah. Never mind everyone. We were all green. And the guy's willingness to learn is like no other. And, you know, he shed that green bark so fast. I mean, he's still green, but it's incredible how he has fit into this team and found his groove. Not Mm -hmm. as a, you know, yes, he's becoming a good carpenter, but I'm not going to say not as a good carpenter, but as a good team member. So that's a, that's, that's a big thing right there. Yeah. That unspoken communication where, where you can look across the floor you can see Matt thinking, looking at a corner and you're like, all right, this guy needs a brace. And you, you know, yeah. he runs you your brace, Matt. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's big. Without, having without a, having a having team a player, I'd take a team player over somebody with a little bit of experience any day of the week. So he's a great, great recent hire. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Did that answer your question, Bracket? I mean, yeah, it did. Effort, it is. And I, I think a lot of people, they, you know, when they're looking at, hiring they they just look at dollar amount they're not really looking at a collective team effort or how this person can provide value to the entire crew so i think it's i think it's good that you know you're coming on the podcast and sharing like hey we're doing things a little bit differently but this is why we're being able to recruit awesome people and then build that collective crew effort and and and, you know there's another part of it about retaining the the employee throughout their journey and, and to build our crew my intentions uh, as an employer are, are so far from hiring and firing. I think it's such a typical mm-hmm. in, our, in our industry. Yep. We, our industry is so funny, right? Like we say, we stress about schedules so much, but it's like, it's impossible to schedule. It's yeah. like make hay while the sun shines and sleep when you can get rest. And I never want to just hire on more employees for a short period of time where we're busy and then go back to not being busy and have to let the the weak ones go. So it's, 
you know, I, I think there, you know, when looking at expanding the crew, it's, it's really, even though I don't know the individual at that time, and I'm only trusting my gut, but it's like looking at that individual coming into the team for the long haul. So they're not mm-hmm. coming in to fulfill an order. They're coming in to expand our business. And themselves at the same time. That That's big. I feel like a lot of people do that. I, I know people here personally that they, they've had 20 something employees at one point and they're down to four or five right now. And it's because they got all this work and just brought in anybody and everybody. They didn't, I guarantee they couldn't even name everybody on their crews. And then every one of them takes off. So they're, they're chasing the money and you've got a well-developed business that sounds like it runs pretty damn smooth. You know what I've tried once, Matt? Because at, uh, at the t- maybe four years ago, uh, we had too much work, not enough manpower. And it was Emma's suggestion. In, in like office building corporate settings, it's not unusual to get hired on contract on a six month contract. Like a seasonal thing. Where you're walking into, in our, in our industry, we call it seasonal. But when you go to work at whatever, Google, and they're working on a project, trying to launch it. They need to bring guys in. Breck, you can probably attest to this. They'll hire you on a six-month contract, which means you're going to join this team for six months, and there's no guarantee you're going to stay after that. And six months is up, no matter how good of a job you did. If they don't need you, they are not obliged to have to keep you. So, so what I did four years ago, Emma suggested, why not? Because I knew I needed to hire three people. But I knew I wasn't, I didn't feel I was ready to expand my business by, you know, three more annual salaries and everything that comes around with the pressure of like Mm -hmm. feeding three more families, right? So Emma said, why don't you just be transparent and, you know, put a hiring campaign out, but be Mm -hmm. transparent and say, this is only on contract. This is a two month gig. You're on one project. And then when the project's done, you're done. And so it was interesting. I did that. Um, we got three people who all agreed to try it out. One individual was getting into construction. So they had nothing to lose as far as, you know, leaving an employment situation, you know, to come onto our crew. So he was down. The other individual was working for a family member renovation kind of scenario. And they were like, I'm going to get serious about this and become an employee of a construction company. And then the other one had a great job and she said, I'm going to, I'm going to come work for you. And I go, are you burning a bridge? She is Molly, by the way, are you burning a bridge? She goes, <laughs> she goes, no, I'm chasing an opportunity. I so, like- so I took the three individuals on for two months and it was like work till basically Christmas holidays. Thank you. You know, I owe you nothing as far as coming back in the new year. In those two months, we met Molly. We met Jake, Diesel, aka Diesel, yep. and, and this other individual who, who we used uh, exactly what we intended for that two-month contract. Jake and Molly made such an impression that, you know, I was saying to them, I said, these like are the people, if I'm ready to expand my business, these are the mm-hmm. people I need. And so she's like, well, figure out how to make it happen. And so I took them on in the winter and in Toronto, generally things can slow down in construction. And we ramped up uh, to, to, to grow our business so that I didn't lose the opportunity of working with these two individuals who are still with us. And like, 
major attributes to what makes this team so amazing. So that was a fun, that was a fun one. That's interesting though. I mean, I, I've never heard of anybody doing like a two month, three month contract in the construction industry. I'm sure it happens with like commercial stuff, but that's pretty rad. I mean, you get to try them out. You have no obligation to keep them. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get to see how they fit. And like you said, two out of three hit. That That's pretty impressive. How long ago was that? It was four years ago? Yeah, I think four years ago, maybe wow. five. Yeah. How many that's employees do you awesome. have right now? Uh, right now, there's uh, 11 of us. Dang. Yeah. Any, so any employees. Plans? Any plans for expansion in the future? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right, like we 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 you know run a great with eleven. I'm eleven. Uh, you know, it's 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 two threes and a four, right? As okay. far as crew sizes, so um, twelve. We had twelve right before the holidays, but coming into the winter, I wasn't you know sure. And the twelfth was a floater. So although he was employee. He, he was employed. He was an HVAC guy going through his, uh, his HVAC apprenticeship. Okay. And due to COVID, the, his employment situation dried up because I guess, you know, there were commercial restaurants and stuff. So he lost his job. So he jumped on as a temp, uh, knows construction, not a framer, but an H, you know, fourth year HVAC guy. Yeah. He knows tools. He knows the job site and it was great. So as 12, it was fantastic. And, you know, I'd love to get to 12, but not in the winter. So we'll probably get up there, mm-hmm. you know, this summer will be 12 again. For it, sure. it was good. It was perfect. Three fours, you know, you've got threes. enough, you, you've got enough people to do anything you need to with four. We yeah. we built some pretty cool stuff with four people. It doesn't take, that, that's a big misconception. People think that you need 10 people on a single crew. I see people on social media and they've, they've got 10 people framing a 1800 square foot house. And I'm like, man, you guys either make a killing or you're losing it. But I don't know. I think three to four is a, a perfect, perfect crew size. Yeah. Um, I think four, four is the best. We, we talked about this a bit earlier, George Brown college. You said you're on the board of directors. Uh, it's motivating to see people like yourself participating and investing your time and energy into that next generation workforce. Um, tell us a little bit about what you got going there. It looks like a pretty awesome program. Yeah. So uh, I am, you know, I sit on the board of directors. So what that looks like is uh, before COVID getting together uh, three times a year and basically talking uh, at a board table. Uh, there's myself, a few other contractors talking to the Dean, the professors of the various courses that go into those pre-construction courses telling them what we expect to have out of a graduate. So okay. what are we looking for, right? Um, as, as construction uh, employers. So just, you know, they take our feedback, they, they tweak their courses to try and better, you know, prepare their graduates for the workforce. Uh, so, you know, that, that whole thing spawned off using social media and Instagram. Uh, that's what initially like did the, that networking. And then, you know, just stayed in contact. Last year, I was invited to apply for a teaching gig, but um, I got married and had a pretty kick-ass honeymoon, which um, would have uh, had me miss three classes. So we decided it wasn't a great time last year. And uh, this January came along and I was reapproached and I, I jumped on the opportunity. So I'm teaching a carpentry shop class first year. 
Heck yeah. There you go, man. They've yeah, got one so. good teacher. How, yeah, how, how is it working with, with kids like that? Do they, good majority of them seem like they're actually into it? Yeah, I'd say so. We're due to COVID, uh, we're class sizes no bigger than 10. So we okay. had uh, nine students yesterday. We're building a shed. So, you know, groups of two, you know, doing the social distancing thing. Uh, it's fun. I mean, you know, day one, uh, I, I'll say like the, the first day of school nerves don't go away and don't change regardless if you're a teacher or a student. Because <laughs> yep. I, uh, I was pretty nervous, man. But, you know, it was humbling because we're starting this, this project and day one, you know, I'm the shop teacher. They've, they've been taught the theory of what they're going to be doing in shop. So day one was to set up their, their sill plates, their mud cells and, and kind of start a, a little, you know, little floor system, little eight by eight floor system. Right. That's awesome. But at, you know, throughout the introduction, we do a little uh, shop intro COVID protocol stuff. And before we jump into it, I just had this feeling and I was like, just ask it, Jeff, you, you know, you, it's better to know. And I was like, who here, we had six students who here has used a uh, circular saw before that I had one guy put his hand up and kind of do that. Like kind of yeah. motion with his hand. I yeah, was like, yeah. kind of use a circular saw. I'm like, <laughs> all right, we're going to walk through the circular saw guys. And, and it was cool. Like just holding the, holding the circular saw, going through the, the parts, you know, the table, the toe, the heel, the guard, yep. the depth, you know, the handle, the trigger, the second handle, yeah. the cord. Uh, so it was humbling and it was fun. And and uh, cool part about that, out of like five and a half individuals, I helped them uh, make their first cuts, right? Like That's that was awesome. a cool thing. That's man, awesome, man. It, yeah, it was small class. So we literally, you know, went through kind of this little teaching thing I had in my head and we, we worked out the saw and I made some cuts to show what we expect. And we went through one by one making their first cut. So everyone would watch them. I'd mm -hmm. critique them, tell, you know, okay, see what he did wrong here. So the next guy would kind of touch on that. And, and it was fun. So now we've got a little thing, Matt, and you'll appreciate this because I mean, in carpentry, the only way you're going to get better and more confident is, is repetitiveness. Yeah. You know, you're only going to get learn, learn how to cut when you cut. You're only going to learn how to bang a nail is when you swing your hammer. So exactly. We're, we're working on this project. So when I go in, rather than let's jump into it, grab a piece of wood, you know, the scraps that are around like four or five feet and I'll write down six or seven measurements. So right there, boom. And they're making six or seven cuts right, right at day one. Let's do it. So, you know, space out the blocks, 48 and a quarter, 42 and three eighths, 36 and seven eighths. And it's just like, chum, 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 and it's awesome. <laughs> the more, the more they do it, the more it'll be muscle memory. And by the time they're done, they'll be set. Now I've, I've worked with students before and it's an awesome feeling because I, as a carpenter, we kind of forget the things that we've learned over the years. Um, little things like three, four, five, for instance, you show that to a kid and they just, they lose it. You could see the sparks going off in their head. They just learned something that they never knew before. And while you and I might forget it or not necessarily forget it, but not think of it as anything special, that's mind blowing to them. Yeah. That, that's cool though. Being able to, to make their first cuts, um, that, being trusted with their thought is huge. And that's where that expression actually comes knows from, what right? they're doing. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That, that expression 
you know, I forgot more than you'll ever know. That's where that one comes from. Yeah. 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 To, to see, to see a guy, to see an individual hold the skill saw for their first time, hit the trigger and see their, see it that kind torque. of torque on them. But you see it in their eyes, like, Oh, this tool, this tool is not to be messed around with. And it's like, yeah, these are powerful, <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> so no, they, they have to fun, be taken yeah. serious. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I try to relate and, you know, try and offer that real world stuff and we have fun. I, you know, I ask if I can put them on Instagram. So I'm doing the posts with them. And I've been seeing, uh, that's what I was going to bring up. I've been yeah. seeing the, the posts um, about what they're building and that right there is going to build so much pride. They're going to be so proud of what they're doing that they'll strive in the industry. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning the reels there on Instagram. So I'm going to practice in the, in the class. On, there you on my go. Reel, my reels game. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. They're getting that, that early recognition that, uh, that their work is paying off and that's good. Cause typically, I mean, when I went out to Iowa, um, some of those shop teachers, like they were, weren't very supportive of obviously phones being in the shop class, you shouldn't be messing around with them anyways. But the fact that you're able to go in there and give them some recognition for their work or take photos with them. I mean, it's just showing the value that you're bringing to the classroom. Yeah. And, and it is a strict policy, you know, when, when yeah. I'm, the, the prof is telling me how to conduct the class, but we go on a 15 minute break halfway through the class. And when we mm -hmm. come back in, before we jump back into it, we do another like six or seven cuts. But before we jump in, I go, you guys want to take pictures of what we're doing? I'm going to do a post and, you know, like, and yeah. that's when we'll have that time. Right. Cause no one's on the tools and it's like, I'm going to do a post. So if you guys want to take pictures, go for it. And I've seen a couple of uh, the individuals uh, post on their social media. So it's cool to see that, right? They're tagging me, they're a student. And uh, yep. yeah, it's like, there's always that time, right? And, you know, take that picture. Yeah, be, be proud of the work you do. Yeah, that, man. That's awesome. Jeff, I, uh, before we jump into our fast five and wrap up, I want to see if it's possible to get a, um, a punchline from you. You're, you're kind of known for building an awesome team over there in Toronto. And, uh, we want to see if we can get a punchline from you on what's the biggest difference between the Harvey crew and the thousands of other crews. What's the biggest, uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's, that's, that's a loaded question. I, what's, what's the difference <laughs> without being offensive? Uh, oh, you could be offensive. Yeah. <laughs> we have Matt's the co-host, so. Matt doesn't like to serve the pie. Yeah. What's the difference between us and everyone else? Um, I'd say we're a team, man. And, uh, you know, Frankly, I probably stress more about our team than I do our customers. And I know the customers feed the team, but that's the mentality, but it's not true. Our team feeds the customers. The customers have a product. They got to build a house. They got to sell it. They need our team to do that. And they choose our team to do that. So if, our team goes number one. If your so, team wasn't on their A game, you're not putting out the good stuff. No. So, you know, I, I tell the team, we work for ourselves. We don't work for them. It's a different mentality. I love the way you put that, man. We, it's we empowering really to them. You know, we work for our mortgages, our truck payments, our rent, uh, our hobbies, and uh, they benefit from us. Mm -hmm. That's that's it. I like that perspective. 
All righty, man. Before we uh, wrap up every episode, we end with our fast five. It's five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. The first one, the mountain bike experience. What's your favorite mountain bike trick you can nail in your prime? In my prime? Nice big, like, yeah. nice big, like, uh, moto whip. Solid. In man. my prime but or now? In your prime. prime. And it, yeah. In oh, your prime. like, yeah, like, Man, 360X up, bottom of Whistler Village, right in front of like the patio, last bit of the day, in front of everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fireworks go off. There goes Jeff Harvey. Yeah, X yeah, Games yeah. gold medal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the pinky ring. It says X Games on it, huh? Knew it. Yeah, it's Knew it. <laughs> All right, number two, your all-time favorite movie would be? Uh, Forrest Gump. Nice choice. All right. Number three, the favorite part about your job is? Favorite part about my job is uh, working with the team I work with, man. I love going to work and seeing those guys. All right. Number four, your one message to the next generation would be? Work harder. Nobody cares. Love it. Five, what does bread to build mean to Jeff? Bread to build is, uh, you know, I'm in it. Progression is a profession, and I will not retire. Dang. Trumpet bombs, right Jeff. I love it. We're going to start quoting Jeff now. All righty, brother. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Um, before we let you off the hook, where can people find and connect with you? Hit me up on Instagram, at Harvey Holmes and Interiors. Uh, the Harvey Home YouTube. We're not there heavy yet, but we'll be coming at you soon. Uh, we've got our TikTok, but we don't, uh, we just creep on TikTok. I'm going to concentrate on the reels on Instagram right now. And uh, email me, Jeff at HarveyHomesInteriors.com. There we go. Um, Quick question. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are, are curious. So. Um, and you said a lot of people ask you about this. Is JJ going to make a comeback? You know, I, JJ actually texted me a video of uh, Pit Viper today uh, asking me if I'd post it. So I feel like he oh, wants to. Oh, he's so. going to make a comeback. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he wants to. <laughs> I miss that guy's videos. He kept everybody so stoked on freaking. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I'd scroll through Instagram and just be pissed off every now and then. And then I'd see one of his videos and I'm like, my day has been made. This is perfect. Straight as eggs. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the 12th episode of the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like this episode, share it with a friend, drop an awesome review. As always, feel free to connect with me further at Brett going on Hammer and IG. Thank you guys for listening to the 12th episode of the Bread to Build podcast. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on social media at Matt Bangs Wood. Check out the nonprofit that supports the youth and find me on Hammer at hammer.com slash Matt. We'll see you guys next time on the Bread to Build podcast.